Good to just be in the Lord's presence this morning, amen. It's wonderful that the Lord is already here at work among us. He has a work for us to do and a work that he wants to do. Uh, And it's good as we get into God's word, we will look for what he has to say to us, but we also are always sensitive to the Holy Spirit of how God wants to work in our lives. And I'm glad um, at how he's already been at work Uh, in the midst of us today, and I believe he's got more work to do. We are starting a new series this morning, uh, The Unstoppable Blessing there, as you see, Pastor Marvin said, the book of Genesis. Uh, So if you want to open up to Genesis chapter 25 is where we're going to pick up today. Genesis chapter 25, and if you're using a chair rack Bible, uh, it's page 19 is where you want to turn to. Page 19 is um, where you want to run to, and we're going to jump into this uh, this morning. If you've ever uh, had the opportunity to work with uh, little kids uh, or just, you know, play with little kids and and build something with them, uh, maybe out of blocks or, you know, those Duplo mega Lego blocks, or maybe you've just done a a puzzle where you get those giant pieces and you're putting a puzzle together. A lot of times it goes something like this where they'll start to, you know, kind of stack things or manipulate things or put them together, and you, you know what they want to do. They want to build something, but they don't quite know how to do it. So you kind of help them and you guide them. Hey, put this on top of that, or you actually do it. Why don't you put this puzzle piece here, you know, and oh, this one here and this one there. And at the end of it, you know, when it's all done, the puzzle, you know, is done, they look at it and they usually say something like this, I did it. And you think, well, I mean, at best we did it. And probably I did it, but okay. But I mean, you know, you want their, their joy. You, you celebrate in their joy. But this idea of, you know, completing a project or have, doing something and uh, you kind of look at it and you're like, well, who did what? Whose contribution was to what? Um, and it's, it gets kind of blurred as to, you know, who contributed what to the final product. I want to look at that as a model for talking a little bit about our spiritual lives. Because I think this happens in our spiritual lives too. I've had many conversations with people over the years about different topics of faith. And a lot of times the question is, well, is that God's part or is that my part? You know, what what is God putting the pieces of the puzzle in place? And what is me trying to put a couple of the pieces of the puzzle in place? I definitely have had these conversations about salvation uh, and maybe some of you have too. Some people say, well, is it, is it all God or do I have a part to play too? Uh, because you read scriptures that say, you, I have chosen you. You did not choose me. And you read that and you say, well, it sure sounds like it's all God. I guess I don't have to do anything. And then you read scriptures like, you know, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him you know, we'll be saved. You say, well, that sure sounds like it's all me and I've got to do something. I'm part of the whoever. I've got to believe. And, and the truth is when we try and resolve this tension one way or the other by saying, well, it's all God. I have nothing to do with it. Or it's all me. It's all on me. When we try and resolve it one way or the other, I think we lose a truth about who God is. Because the truth is both of them usually. Both God, we are only saved by God's grace, and yet he calls us to faith in Jesus Christ and to walk in faith. By grace, through faith, you have been saved. 
and this not of yourselves. It's a work of God, and yet you are called to do works. And so there's this tension, sometimes in salvation, sometimes in sanctification. There's this tension too. People say, well, is it God's work sanctifying me, making me more of the person he wants to be, or is it my work? Is it the fruit of the Holy Spirit that just comes about through God's Spirit at work in my life? Or do I have a part to play as well? The scriptures seem to say yes to that question. God's Holy Spirit brings it about, and yet you are called to choose to live a holy life, to live a life before God that is honorable and, and, and pure and, and righteous. And so, yes, so these are tensions that we don't always resolve. We need to live in that tension so that we understand more who God is and who we are. When it comes to the topic of blessing, I would put that in the same category. I think the topic of blessing, as we look at it over the next several weeks, and particularly in Genesis, uh, that we're going to see that, yes, ultimately blessing is from God, but also, we can have an impact on the blessing that God desires to give to us in our lives. And uh, there's, uh, there's some truth to both sides of that. And hopefully, in this morning's message, I'll clear that up and we'll see that together. We're in Genesis chapter 25, and the series we're going to be on is we're going to study the life of Jacob. We're going to study the life of a man named Jacob. So last winter, if you were with us, we studied Abraham. And we spent uh, six or eight weeks on the life of Abraham. Abraham's called the father of the faith. He's a man of faith, a man of great faith. Well, Abraham had a son named Isaac, and then he had a son named Jacob. And there's several chapters in Genesis that follow Jacob's life. And here's the interesting thing about Jacob and blessing. When we studied Abraham, we saw this blessing come to Abraham and he wasn't perfect, but he was a man of faith. And he did a lot of things where you looked at the life of Abraham and you're like, yes, I want to live my life like Abraham. You know, I, I, I want to I do that. That's what God's calling me to do. When we look at Jacob, you might have a different reaction. <laughs> Jacob might be the example of don't do this. And it's going to be a little bit different. And yet, the blessing of God goes through Jacob. And that's what we want to look at. Because Jacob's life's a little bit of a hot mess at times. And yet, we see the blessing of God go through Jacob. And I think that has something to say to us. So let's look at it in Genesis chapter 25 and look at the beginning of Jacob's story, uh, really his birth. Genesis chapter 25, we're going to pick up in verse 19. And here's what it says. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padamaram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is thus this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. 
The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. That shouldn't be a problem. (laughs) Sorry, here we go. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name is called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Lord, we come to you now. We've heard and read your word, and now, Lord, we seek to understand it. We seek to know how it applies to our lives And so we ask that you would open our hearts and our ears to what you want to say to us, Lord. Father, I pray that uh, your word would speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Guide us and lead us and show us what we need to know and hear and see today. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. Amen. Blessing was given to Abraham and then... uh, what we see in this passage ultimately, uh, maybe first of all and most obvious, is that blessing comes from God's actions towards us. That blessing has an originator. It comes from God. Um, When you say, you know, I'm blessed, or when you put hashtag blessed in your social media or on your shirt or wherever in a letter, what you're saying is that I, it's well with me And you're also saying that I believe that it comes from God. Because to be blessed is to receive something from someone. So blessing comes and originates from God. It's probably the most basic thing we can understand, but it's important to say in the beginning. I used to have a friend in college, Herbert Cooper. He pastors People's Church out in Oklahoma City. And when we were in college, we would walk around the dorm. I was in the same dorm with with Cooper and he had this real deep voice. He was on the football team. He was, he was a really built, really in shape guy. And, and when he would, um, when you'd ask him how you were doing, he'd say, how you doing, Cooper? And his answer would be the same every single time. You knew what he was, I could say it before he said it. He would say, I'm blessed. I can't even say it as deep as he said it. He would say, I'm blessed. 
And, uh, and sometimes he's like, Cooper, I just want to, you know, how you doing? How's your day going? And it would always just be, I'm blessed. And, and there was something to that that was a little annoying at the moment. But there's also something to that that like spoke something. It was, it was actually a pretty, a pretty deep theological truth expressed in two words. It basically said, things are going well with me and it's not because of me. When I say I'm blessed, I say things are going well with me, but it's not because of me. It's because I have received something from the Lord. Because the Lord has been good to me. Blessing comes from the Lord. When God created the earth, when God created humanity, one thing the scriptures say he did was he blessed it. He blessed creation. He blessed man and woman when he created them. He blessed them. But then sin came in to creation. Humanity chose to go their own way and sin came in. But God still wanted to bless. Even in the midst of that, he still wanted to bless people. And so the scriptures say he chose a man named Abraham. And he chose to bless him. And last year, we looked at Genesis chapter 12, which said this. It said, I will, God speaking to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, for, and really for no other reason than he just chose to bless Abraham. He could have chose anyone, but he chose Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you. And he blessed Abraham. And then he blessed his son Isaac, because in Genesis 25, 11, it says, after the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son. And then after Isaac, we come to this passage that we read this morning with Jacob and Esau. And even in this story, we see God making it clear that he is the one bringing about the blessing. Because in these words to Rebekah, he says, one will be stronger than the other, and the younger will serve, uh, the older will serve the younger. And to you and me, we're like, okay, that's fine. All right. Yeah. Older serves the younger. To those who would be hearing this back in the time of, you know, Moses and the time that uh, these things would have been written, they would have been like, no way. No, that does not happen. That will never happen. The, old, the older serving the younger, there was something that they practiced uh, called primogeniture, and that is that the blessing always comes to the oldest son. Always, always, always. So much so that some of the early rabbis that wrote commentary on this passage of scripture, what, they, what we would call midrash, that was the rabbinic commentary on, on the scriptures. And so much so that some of the rabbis would, would try and do kind of theological gymnastics to make this work. And they said, they, they, they said one rabbi said that actually in the womb, Jacob's fetus was formed first. And Esau's was second. So actually, Jacob was actually the older one. Just Esau came out first. I don't know how they would have known that that was the case. 
But what it tells you is this was such a foreign concept. But here's what it tells you about God. What God is saying is I will choose where the blessing goes. I will choose who the blessing goes through. It's not going to go through your cultural trends. It's not going to go through the way you think it should go. I'm going to command my blessing where I'm going to command my blessing. And so once we understand that truth, we might say, well, it's all about God. I don't have anything to do with it. God's just going to bless who he's going to bless, and I've got no say in the matter, so let's end the series here. And there is a part of it that is all about God. God's the one who blesses. And apart from God, there is no blessing. But if you want to experience God's blessing and the fullness of blessing, you and I actually have a part too. Because consequences from our actions can actually impact the blessing of God on our lives. Consequences from our actions, there are consequences that come from our actions toward God. And yes, God commands his blessing towards us. And yet at the same time, if you will choose, if you choose to go after blessing in the wrong way, if you choose to go after blessing in a way that is not in accordance with God's ways, that there's consequences that go with that that actually keep us from experiencing all the blessing God would have us to experience. In Jacob's life, we're going to see this over the next several weeks, that Jacob is going to, just as we saw in this narrative, I mean, the most um, eye-opening thing in this narrative was this whole thing about the stew, right, and the birthright, and you hear that, and you're like, what is going on there? Or maybe you hear that, and you're like, yep, that's how my brother and I would act. But you look, and you're like, the, the, you know, what is going on here? And, and, and yet... And yet God still continues to bless, but Jacob will experience consequences. And we'll see that, that throughout this account, throughout the coming weeks, that, yep, God's going to bless. But when we will choose to go after blessing in our own way, there will be consequences. And I think it's worth pausing there for a second just to take that lesson because you and I may at times be tempted by the temptation of Jacob that you and I may be tempted to go after the blessings of God in our own way. And what that might look like in your life. Jacob, for Jacob, it was extortion of his younger brother. So the birthright, you might say, well, what's going on there? Here's what's going on. The birthright was this, that uh, for the older brother, they would get two-thirds of the inheritance. Any other siblings would split the other third. So it's just Jacob and Esau. So Esau would have a right to two-thirds of the inheritance, and Jacob would get one-third. And what he's saying is, oh, you're hungry? You want a bowl of stew? Sell me your two-thirds. Give me your two-thirds. Swear to me your two-thirds. Now, what we don't know is if he's proposing a swap or if he's saying, no, 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 I keep my one-third and I get your two-thirds, which is probably more likely what he's saying. Because later on, Esau is going to say, is there nothing left for me? He doesn't get anything. He's probably saying, no, no, I'm going to keep my one-third, and I want your two-thirds. And the temptation, of es the temptation of Jacob is to go after God's blessing, but not in God's way. I have no question that the blessing was always going to go through Jacob. Because God said the older is going to serve the younger. 
But I also have no question that it didn't have to go this way. That Jacob didn't have to go after it this way. But he chose to go after it in his own way. And there'll be times in your life where you will be tempted with a good thing. With a good thing. Maybe a thing God's promised you. Maybe a thing that you know God has said that I will give you this. But you're tempted to make it happen in your own way. It's the temptation of Jacob. And when we do that, we will experience consequences. I mean, could be, I mean, something, I, I think about places where this happens in our world. Maybe you go after something, you know, maybe, maybe an athlete that goes and, and uh, you know, performance-enhancing drugs or whatever, and you go outside it and you experience consequences. You say, well, God, you promised, you know, you'd be good to me. Well, you know, you, did, you went after it in your own way. Maybe you're a student that has to write a term paper, and instead of putting in the work, you type in chat GPT to your browser and ask it to generate a term paper for you, and you get caught, and you find out that you have consequences to your actions. Or maybe you were tasked with the reports for the last quarter, and they don't look as good as you know your boss wants them to look, and you are tempted to make those graphs and those charts move a little bit more up and to the right than they should. In order to go after blessings, but not in God's way. And we shouldn't be surprised when there's consequences there. Now, don't get this confused, consequences for our actions and the discipline of God. Don't get this confused with righteous suffering and things that at times in this world just happen because we live in a fallen world. Those things will happen. But we can experience or we can have a lack of experience of God's blessing when we try and go after it in our way. Uh, incidentally, real quick, be careful not to make, fall into the temptation of Esau either. What was Esau's temptation? He undervalued what God had given him. Birthright? I just, I just need a bowl of stew. Who cares about a birthright? I'm hungry. I need a Snickers, right? It's just <laughs> like he just undervalued it. A bowl of stew, his birthright, his inheritance, traded it for a bowl of stew. You and I can fall into the temptation of Esau. Uh, one of my professors in seminary, he always said it this way, don't sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the immediate. And we're tempted to do that, you know, the, to say, I want this now. So we sacrifice the eternal blessings of God to grasp what is going to satisfy our hunger in the moment. These are the temptations of blessings, to grasp and go after them in our own way or to seize in the moment and sacrifice the eternal life and blessings that God offers to us that we need to be careful about. So the truth is that uh, we, we have to be careful of those things and we may experience consequences for the actions we choose to take, even though God has promised to bless us. But there is hope. And let me close with this idea of hope. As we continue in Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26 says this, Now there was a famine in the land, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac, remember Jacob and Esau's father, and Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you, for to you and your offspring, to you and your offspring, who are his offspring? 
Jacob and Esau? What did we just read about Jacob and Esau did? One of them sold his birthright. One of them extorted his brother. But here's God saying, to you and your offspring, I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And so, yes, we experience consequences with our actions towards God. But yes, regardless of your actions, God's blessings are unstoppable. God is still going to bring about his plan regardless what you and I do. God is still going to bring about what he said he was going to do in the world. Because he says to Isaac, your, through your offspring, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And Isaac's got to be like, these offspring? I mean, these guys? Yes. Right after we read a story about how one despised his blessing, his birthright, and one extorted his brother, God says, through this, I will bless all the nations of the world. And there's an encouragement to us in this, that God is at work. And this is this tension. Yep, we're going to have influence and impact on the blessings God sends. But yep, it's God who sends the blessing. And somehow he is still going to bring about his plan in the world, even through these offspring, even through dysfunctional families where one mom loves one kid, a mom loves one kid, and the dad loves another kid. Even through brothers who extort each other and who don't treat each other well and go after things in the wrong way, God is still going to bring about his plan. God is still at work. And here's the thing I think that's, that's most exciting about this that I, that I want you to hear this morning. Later on in scripture, several times, God will identify himself. He will say who he is. And several times, this is how he will identify himself. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And here's the thing that's about that. We can skip past that so easily and miss what the the, the deep, rich theological truth in that, and that's this. If he is only the God of Abraham, I don't have a chance because I don't have faith like Abraham has. I want to, but I don't think I do. If he's only the God of Isaac, we don't have a lot about Isaac, but did you just hear, if you were following along and doing the math, he got married at 40 and his kids weren't born to 60. He prayed that God, for his wife, that God would give him a child. I want to have faith like that. I'm not sure I do. If he's only the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, I'm not sure he's the God of me. But if he's the God of Jacob, if he's the God of Jacob, I think I got a chance. If he's the God of Jacob, then maybe you can be his daughter. If he's the God of Jacob, maybe you can be his son. What I love is that later in this story, God's actually going to change his name from Jacob to Israel. 
And he could have said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Israel, but he didn't. He continually identified himself with Jacob, the younger son who extorted his brother and who we'll see what he does next week in order to get the blessing. And he said, I am his God. And by doing that, I think he says, I am the God of grace. I am the God of grace. I want you to, as we, this is what we're going to do to close uh, the service today. I want to trace this blessing. And I want you to see, as we start this series, I want you to see the big picture of blessing going throughout Scripture. So I came across this uh, little video this week put out by the Bible Project. And it traces the concept of blessing from Genesis right through the end of the Scripture. And I want you to take a look at this, and then we'll have the worship team come up, and we'll close out our service. Uh, but watch this short video, and let's get a picture of where blessing starts in Scripture and how it traces all the way to the end of God's story. Let's watch this together. The story of the Bible begins with God bringing life out of darkness, ordering our beautiful world, and then blessing all of its creatures. Hold on, blessing. That's one of those funny religious words. Yeah, right. People say a blessing over their meal or after they sneeze. Or just a general way to say that things are going well for me. But in the Bible, a blessing is more specific. The first blessing in the Bible is when God creates animals and he blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the land. Ah, so God's blessing is about flourishing and multiplication of life. Right, it's when God shares his life-producing ability with others. Next, God gives humans an additional blessing that sets them apart from the animals. Not only are we one of God's creatures that can generate new life, we've also been appointed as God's representative image to rule and oversee this whole flourishing world on God's behalf. So part of our blessing is to take care of God's blessing for all creation. And God wants us to rule while trusting in his abundance, to eat from the tree of blessing, that is, the tree of God's own eternal life. Now there is another tree to eat from. Yes, and it represents this decision to try and seize abundance and life on our own terms by our own wisdom. The humans encounter a deceptive creature who tricks them into eating from this other tree, thinking it's a shortcut to blessing. And instead of blessing, this tree brings a curse. A curse? You mean like a magic spell? No, in the Bible, the curse is when God hands people over to the consequences of seizing our own blessing on our own terms. It's a curse because instead of abundance and life, we end up with scarcity, isolation, and death. So God curses the ground, and instead of fruitfulness, there will be famine. Instead of overseeing the world, they will have to work the land until they die. Man. But God also curses that deceptive creature that fooled the humans, saying that a human will come one day to destroy it. And that human will be born into a world of scarcity where men and women and families and tribes are all locked in violent conflict. If God's blessing is now covered with a curse, how can we flourish? Even more, how can we rule with God? Well, here the biblical story takes an interesting turn. God chooses one couple. Abraham and Sarah, and God blesses them and says they will become a huge family. Be fruitful and multiply. And there's more. God says that his blessing on Abraham and his family is for this larger purpose, so that through them, God's blessing can go out to all of the nations. So wait, God's plan is to reverse the curse and restore the blessing by first blessing this one family. Right. And this family does experience God's blessing. Even when they journey through times of danger and scarcity, they grow into this huge nation, Israel. 
And God brings them to a mountain and invites them to be his representatives. Yes, God will bless Israel so that they can become a blessing to the nations. All they have to do is trust and live by God's wisdom. And they're told that this is a choice between life and death, between blessing and curse. Now keep reading because the Israelites almost never trust God for his blessing. Their story is filled with tales of deception, violent grabs for power, resulting in the ultimate curse exile from their land and slavery to foreign nations. But Israel's prophets who lived through all of this, they still trusted in God's promise to Abraham. And they anticipated a future Israelite who would come to restore God's blessing and reverse the curse for Israel and for all the nations. When we turn to the story of Jesus, we find Israel still experiencing the curse living as slaves to the Roman Empire. But Jesus, he so trusted in God's blessing, he claimed that it was arriving in a new way through himself. He wanted his followers to trust in God's abundance, to share and be generous. And he even taught his followers to bless people who curse them. Jesus would even reverse the curse by healing and restoring people's bodies. God's blessing is being unleashed. Jesus also confronted his fellow Israelites who were in power, and he accused them of getting in the way of God's plan to bless Israel and the nations through them. Those leaders arrest Jesus so they could have him killed. And instead of fighting back, Jesus believed that he was that chosen Israelite who would face the curse that Israel and all humanity deserves, and he would allow the curse to fall on him. Jesus dies the shameful death of a man under the curse. But just as God brought life and blessing out of darkness in the beginning, so here, through Jesus, God reverses death by raising Jesus. The curse is put to death so that the blessing of God's life can spread out once again. After his resurrection, Jesus blessed his followers, and he said that his presence would be with them as they learned to trust in God's blessing and share with others. And while death and the curse still have a hold on our world, followers of Jesus trust that the power of God's blessing is even stronger. It means we can live with extreme generosity, even when it seems like there's not enough. And that leads us to the conclusion of the biblical story, where every nation is enjoying the gifts of God's abundance, because in God's new world that is sustained by the life-giving power of Jesus, there is no longer any curse. That's the story of blessing. And we'll be looking at that over the next several weeks through the life of Jacob. Here's the, the bottom line in there with Jesus' life is we need to grasp that Jesus did what Abraham could not do. He did what Isaac could not do. He did what Jacob could not do. He lived a fully obedient life, laid down that life for you so you and I can experience the blessing of God through faith in him. God's blessing depends solely on him. Your experience on it, of it uh, will be determined a lot by you. So what is God saying to you? Are you experiencing God's blessings? What are you going to do about it? Will you live your life and open yourself up to receive the blessings of God? Maybe today you need to confess, say, God, I've grabbed at blessings of my own way. 
I've sacrificed some of that eternal blessing because I wanted to grab at something right now. Or maybe you just need to hear that he's the God of Jacob because you've thought you've gone too far. You've thought you've done something too bad that you have exempted yourself from God's blessing. And Jesus came to say and to show that no one is beyond the blessing of God through faith in him. Lord, God, thank you for this dive into your word as we begin this series. Thank you for Jacob, for his life. Thank you for not abandoning us when we as humans abandoned you and have tried to go our own way. Lord, remind us of your love. Remind us that you are the fount of every blessing, even when we are prone to wander, that you keep us close to you. Lord, remind us of that as we sing this truth together to close out our service. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?